0: Welcome to Episode 67 of the how Did It Happen Podcast, hosted by Mike Malatesta. In this episode, Mike welcomes Ian Abston, the founder and CEO of Millennium LLC, where he helps large corporate clients attract, engage, and retain top-performing millennials. He also serves as the director of the Hone Group, a group comprised of more than 100 of Milwaukee's future civic leaders committed to developing the leadership necessary to create change within Milwaukee and the surrounding region. In 2009, Ian also founded New Walkie, an organization focused on connecting and empowering young professionals through engaging events, programming, and volunteer activities. A graduate of the University of Wisconsin-Oshkosh with a degree in marketing and social collaboration, Ian is also a highly sought-after presenter on millennial trends, and- attitudes, and tendencies, and a TEDx speaker. Ian describes himself as one of the wealthiest people in Milwaukee because of the relationships he's cultivated since moving to the city in 2009. A natural people person, Ian grew up in a small town and first used his connection talents in high school where he arranged events that attracted friends to come to his house since his curfew time made it a challenge to venture to other venues. He continued that momentum in college where he became known as someone who could create fun events and gather people together. After graduating, Ian explored life in Seattle and Denver before returning to Wisconsin and making Milwaukee his new home. I'm Joe Denucci, Mike's podcast producer and blog collaborator, and I've got a quick favor to ask. If you like what Mike's doing with this podcast, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. You can also rate it on iTunes in less than 30 seconds by visiting micmaletesta.com slash review. Your opinions will help us make the show as interesting and relevant as possible. Thank you. Mike and Ian cover a ton of great stuff in this episode, including his belief in the powers of small dinners, how to move past a thousand relationships that are less than an inch deep, why change happens at the speed of trust, how a book called The Medici Effect by Franz Johansson impacted his thinking. Why lighting the home bridge is a new passion of his and how the brain drain concept is affected not just by millennials leaving a city, but by retiring entrepreneurs and executives as well.
1: So I get a lot of uh, word of mouth clients and they all basically just look at me and they say, I don't get these kids. Right. They're here. We train them. They're here for a year and a half, maybe two years, and then they leave. Why are they so unloyal? I pay well. They do a, an employee survey, and people are too scared to actually um, fill out the responses honestly. You know, say, okay, we're going to take everybody to a brewery game once a year. That'll help the old company morale. It didn't do anything. Um, they just end up spending money. So we come in, we look, and we just find out, like, comes down to young people. They want to feel a part of something bigger. When you as a company do great work with profits, and then you look back at your employees and we say, and we invest in the Salvation Army. Oh, great, we're fighting homelessness. Cool, can I volunteer for the Salvation Army? Your answer has to be yes. Uh, We are also going to help end homelessness by fill in the blank.
0: That gets someone to think and buy into the bigger vision. This episode is brought to you by Hello Water. Hello Water is fiber-infused with zero sugar, five grams of fiber, with five inspiring flavors. A fun and fresh delivery system to help curb appetite and promote gut health. Smile, laugh, live, love, and dance your way to a healthy lifestyle. Visit HelloWater.com to find a retailer near you. Hello Water. Inspire health. And now, here's Ian Abston. Hey,
2: everybody. Welcome back to the show. Uh, As you heard in Joe's introduction, today I've got... Ian Abston with me. Uh, I'm super excited uh, for a couple of reasons. One, Ian comes highly recommended to me uh, and was introduced to me by Denise Thomas, who was on an earlier episode and just, just kind of crushed it. And second, uh, I'm an old guy, and Ian's a young guy, and we're going to talk about uh, different perspectives, and I, I think I'm going to end up learning a ton about... <laughs> What's happening in Milwaukee and what's happening in in the United States that that I may not be one hundred percent on top of right now? So, Ian, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
2: So, I start every one of my shows the same way, and that's with a simple question: How did it happen for you?
1: Great question. I'll kick it off. So, I am a I am a people person. I would consider myself the uh, one of the most wealthy people in uh, in the city. And how do you how do you uh, gauge wealth? And I look at mine through relationships. I've got a lot of great friends. I work very hard on cultivating relationships. That is how I value success. Um, I do a lot of things for passion, for fun. I, I don't look at uh, at money as a a motivator. It is top five, definitely top five. But um, so before I jump into um, how did it happen? I'll say how I define success, and okay. success to me is surrounding myself with the best people possible. So, I'm I'm always a community guy. I love gatherings. I love hosting, and it started out, um, you know, in high school, as many many do. It was always, you know, what do you guys want to do tonight? And I was outside of uh, the little city I was in of Elkhart Lake of a thousand people. We were out in the country, so. I always had a curfew. So in order to hang out with people, I always had to have them over hmm. um, as I always had to be home by like nine o'clock. So if I was going anywhere, it means I was gonna miss out. So naturally I had to have people over to my place and uh, it kind of started from there, from bonfires to you know, the dumb stuff you do as a, a high school kid, but it always happened at our house. And thankfully we had amazing parents that were like, yeah, cool, you can do that. Just nothing too stupid, right? And uh, it that's where I learned that Hey, someone's got to gather people, and and it's not just showing up at some place. You have to put some thought into it. Otherwise, it's just a, a boring time. So I'm always trying to push the envelope on creativity. So in college, uh, didn't have the best of grades, so went to UW Oshkosh, UW Zero, Harvard of the Midwest. Uh, at the end of the day, everyone's number one, second choice school, right? It was a bunch of us that tried to get into Madison. We couldn't, for so like Oshkosh. It is, and it was a lot of uh, parties and house parties, and all that was fine for the first couple of years uh, when you're there. But then, in a school that size, you get, oh, I want more. What else can we do? So we started throwing events and pub crawls, and almost got kicked out of school because we had a little. There was nothing to do in Oshkosh. So when we we launched a pub crawl, which soon soon turned into this. It's still around today. We started 15 years ago, now, there's like 15,000 people that do this event on Main Street every year. But that was what sparked like, hey, there's a desire for people. They'll go in in masses to cool stuff if you create it, if you build it, they will come. So I got really into curating events and creating unique experiences um, for people. Moved to Milwaukee. Um, spent a little time in Denver, then Seattle, then uh, moved back to Milwaukee because I was broke. Being close to home is good. And uh, it was the, the largest city um, close to home. So uh, Elkhart Lake is about an hour away. And I moved here and I was trying to get plugged in. And Milwaukee is, at the time, very much a, a place of um, a lot of people that have kind of never left um, they might have went to a four- year university, but university, but they'll come back and they're these tight-knit social groups of people that have known each other for years and years. So if you're a twenty two year old, how do you integrate yourself into a city? And I started going to these uh, fuel Milwaukee events. It's like the Chamber of Commerce's young professional group. and it it was cool, but it didn't do what I wanted it to do. It was a lot of like you met a lot of people from Northwestern Mutual that wanted to sell you insurance. and I, I just wanted to, hang out listen to good music and do cool shit with great people it was simple so that didn't scratch the itch and you tried to like hey what about we try this or this and they uh, the ideas weren't um accepted so we started our own thing we called it new walkie so about i think 11 years ago now we started just a group i got 10 friends together they all got 10 friends together organized a, a band and a happy hour at a bar and 100 people showed up and we did it two weeks later and 200 people showed up and pretty soon, we had so many people showing up to our events that we couldn't have them at bars anymore. And it was just uh, wanting great people to get together and go explore the city. So we'd always have it a, at a different location.
2: And what was the agenda at a, at a Walkie event as opposed to the fuel? Uh,
1: yeah. I, I don't know if the we even had an agenda, and that was okay. great. We never had speakers. There were no sponsors. There was never like, "Hey, so and so from the bank is going to get up and say." So Here's you never ten.
2: okay. So you never felt like you were walking into a uh, uh, a setup. No,
1: I mean, we're cheap beer, cheap, beer, great okay. people, some live tunes, um, and not to say the fuel events weren't were bad. They were like good. They started us, but like I wanted more. I wanted depth. I wanted relationships, etc. And uh, they seemed very transactional. It was like, "Hi, here's a business card exchange." That wasn't. Mm-hmm. It, that doesn't work um, for for cultivating community. And I think they've like since done a lot, lot, lot better. The fuel event, that engine has now grown um, and done better. But it was just, you know, you're 20, then three, and you're rebellious. And you're like, "I want my own stuff." So we did it our own way, uh, and pretty soon people started taking notice. Uh, the city. Um, mayor's office was like there's 500 people gathering i don't know what the hell for but i bet some of them vote we could probably work with these people because it's really hard to get the attention of young people um so those events started started growing and then since we couldn't do the bars and restaurants anymore because there's too many people we had to get creative meaning you had to look around and find what else in the city can we do and um we started. Then we created uh, an urban island beach party. So we took over Lakeshore State Park, which is this uh, state land, kind of between Discovery World and Summerfest, and mm. we threw a big festival there. And we had done pub crawls in Milwaukee, and now those are still existing. So um, there's a big one that happens around uh, St. Patty's Day called the Shamrock Shuffle. There's. Uh, Anywhere between ten and fifteen thousand people that do that every year over St. Paddy's Day. There's another one, Oktoberfest. Those still existed. and They were started with that in mind. Um, the night market, which is a super popular event right now, that was uh, we started that four or five years ago, um, and that was looking at Wisconsin Avenue. All the I remember, we were in a room we didn't belong in. The mayor was there, the county, ex- and everybody was sitting there. All these people old enough and they said we need to rethink wisconsin avenue we have to bring wisconsin avenue back to its roots and this was at a time when west of the river was dangerous you don't go west of the river in downtown and everybody had these ideas like hey we should do a white box grant and facades um you know facade enhancement grants and i'm like that's all sounds like bullshit we just need to get people down to the avenue and w- what is going to make you feel safe at night? How can we achieve something that brings young families, women and children and baby strollers down to West Wisconsin Avenue at night? And uh, one of my partners at the time was like, well, there's these night markets in like Shanghai and there's thousands of people and they're done at night. I'm like, great. So, kind of copied that that concept, and I think we were the first night market, maybe in the states, definitely in West, definitely in the Midwest, and it it just took off. It grew, and um, they do doing four times a summer now, and there's probably fifteen thousand people on West Wisconsin Avenue now. You look at the avenue, and there's two hundred and fifty new apartments. A new owner of the Grand Avenue Mall, the Bucks have moved into West Town. There's so much happening west of the river. And I'm not saying it all happened because the night market, but. Damn sure there were some people that came to West Wisconsin Avenue for the first time and said, Wow, what if? Yeah. And those what ifs turn into investment of time, people, energy, property, whatever it might be. And so that was the New Walkie chapter. And we didn't know what the hell we were doing. We were throwing events. And pretty soon people are like, you know, uh I don't exactly know what you're doing, but all my all my employees are going to your stuff and I want to have my logo on your stuff because I want to use this as a way to attract the next employee. So suddenly we were kind of found ourselves in like suddenly we're this talent attraction agency where you go from throwing organic, authentic, cool experiences that help tie people to the city and meet other people. And then brands are plugging into us and saying, hey, I'm gonna, I want my logo on that. Or can you curate some cool stuff for us? And uh, we got into this really cool talent game and got to pretty soon take a, an event called YP Week, which we started and then launched that statewide because the WEDC came to us and said, uh, can you replicate what you're doing in Milwaukee in other cities? maybe so now then we did and now i think new walkie has about 20 cities they operate in uh for yp week and it spreads everywhere and it's very cool and uh so that was what what started me in like connections then i suddenly noticed i've got i love what we're doing but it's it's kind of it's they're all they're fireworks you put all this event uh, all this energy into an event and the next day it's gone so you, you know, it's a firework. It's what do you have to show for a yeah, firework like on the 5th analogy. of July? Yeah. Nothing. It's all, it's all gone. Yeah. And they're still they're beautiful. Great. They bring people together. But I noticed myself personally, I was getting the seven year itch. I was there for a while and had two great partners that could continue it. So I sold, uh, New Walkie to my two partners at the time. They so New
2: Walkie t- was a real business.
1: Oh yeah. It wasn't just. Well, I mean it. It was us in the basement of the Grand Avenue Mall at the time just yeah. wanting to like well, sure, do cool stuff because yeah. people were coming. And then a business kind of formed with it. Uh, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody, but um, it happened. It worked. And uh, it, w- it was beautiful. And, and the city's better for it, right? Um, and a lot of people have met through it and got married through it. And shit is happening in the city because people have met at those events and mm-hmm. curated experiences. Um, But what I noticed is where I was, as you get a little bit older, I'm like, "Mm, I've got a thousand relationships all an inch deep. I say hi to these people at events. Hey, how's how's the wife? How's the kids? How's the job? Great. We should catch up sometime. High five. And uh, I was just hosting a lot. And I never got to sit and talk and have an actual in-depth conversation with anybody because you're always – you know, something's always got to happen when you're hosting events, if anybody's done that work before. So yeah, you're what, on, you're always time. you're on, you're yeah. on. Yeah. And then people treated me like that, too. I was kind of like, Oh, you're the event guy. And that was cool. But I wanted what else? What else? What's the next chapter? And uh, I started doing dinners. So I got 10 people together. And we just do a private dinner. And some these are people that like I looked up to my my peers, and now deep friends, because I started doing these dinners. And having just peeling back layers of the onion on people and the power of wine and bread and and time uh, goes a long way. And suddenly I found out there is a need in this community to get the next generation of leaders. So new walkies for everybody. Everybody can come and it's free. And I wanted to say, well, okay, let's pick out the, the who's the next one running the company? Who's in charge of the marketing department today? Who is going to be the CEO of your company tomorrow? And I wanted to start developing relationships with those people. The old adage of you are, you know, the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So I wanted to start spending a lot of quality time with these, these people that I look up to and they found a lot of value with these dinners. I mean, Milwaukee, it's a small town, but it's incredible how people don't know each other at the same time. We're a a small big city or a big, small city, however you want to look at it. But suddenly we were getting people together who are next generation business owners, you know, fifth generation, third generation, they will soon someday be leading the city because of, um, you know what their family's businesses are and you found out they don't know each other and they live on the same block or their businesses are in the same high rise but they've never actually no one's brought them together and i'm like
2: oh damn they need a connector
1: yeah they do they do and um i wanted to take my connecting on a big level and like you know focus it more and pretty soon i realized like the power of what can you do when you get these people together and uh, we launched a group called Hone at the time, which is now we're in our fourth year of Hone. And there's uh, over 100 people who are members of it. We've got one person for each company. And some of them are next generation business owners. Some of them like yourself have started and sold a business and on to the next thing. And some of them are just people that we're placing bets on as um, rock stars within larger corporations that we think are going to be leading something, whether they stay within that company or elsewhere, but like we're betting on the people. And uh, we've also got some people in from the um, nonprofit world as well. And we laid down some guidelines early on as people said, wow, these dinners are really impactful. Let's let's do this. So there's a membership fee um, there. We asked, there's no media, there's no politicians. In the group, we have everybody sign a confidentiality agreement. So what happens in the group stays in the group. And uh, that's kind of built out a layer of trust. And our motto, our thought, uh, what I kind of live and die by is change happens at the speed of trust. So we've all been a part of committees. Like day one, hey, you were on the XYZ committee, and nothing gets done. Well, nothing gets done because you don't know the people across the table from you. So can we start? Where only
2: half of them show
1: up? Oh, of course. Of course. And because – for a variety of reasons. We've all been a part of those committees and pretty soon they 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 fizzle. And uh can we start playing bets, placing bets today for the people that are gonna be leading the city tomorrow? And if we start building up organic relationships and building real trust with them today, is the city gonna be better off tomorrow? My guess is absolutely. Well, who's in charge of doing that? And the answer is nobody. Nobody's looking, everybody wants um. You know, the big check writer today, who is, who is the CEO of that company? I want them on our board. Well, is anybody paying attention to their 25-year-old kid who just moved back to the city, uh, got a job within dad's company, and is still uncertain if they're going to stay in Milwaukee or not? Who's wrapping their arms around that person saying, I'm going to provide you this, this network, these resources, mm-hmm. these opportunities to make sure? Because if, if you leave, if you leave, person whose last name might, you know, uh, Phil Baird is your last name, for example, right? And what if that person leaves? Because that's what's happened to a lot of Milwaukee's wealth. Your Millers, your Paps, all your beer barons, they've all got kids, then kids, then kids. So we're on fifth generation grandkids and five of the 40 grandkids still live in Wisconsin, which means our wealth of community impact is diluted to you know, 10% of what it could have been. So are we thinking deliberately how to engage and elevate the next generation of talent and i'd say that's where i am today um of what i'm trying to do is figure out um how we can make sure milwaukee succeeds going forward by building trust amongst tomorrow's leaders today that's the home group
2: so that <clears throat> that's a ton of stuff um, it's a ton of stuff that's sorry that's a, a that's
1: shitty long answer to your first question
2: no it's actually great because we got we have we have great stuff to follow up on my first thought is i want to get a little bit deeper into um Hone, why the name, first of all, where that name come from. And second, I'm really interested in the genesis of it, which is the dinners. Yeah. Um, I'd like to talk more about sort of who you had around the table and when you first started having this idea. The reason that it, it's so interesting to me is my wife and I do something similar. Not, We haven't grown it into Hone. It's, yeah. still, it's still a small thing, but we bring people together who— uh, don't know each other, typically, but know us. And six or eight at a time. And it's just been a phenomenal... I'm a horrible networker. I Like those the, the, the fuel events that you were talking about, yep. I would die. Yeah, yeah. I die at those events. I'm like on the wall. Uh-huh. Like, how can I get it? Yep, <laughs> how, can yep. I, how can I say that I sort of check the box and then get the heck out of yep. here? Because I don't want all these people coming up to me with these... They're all not, not. They're all nice people, but coming up to me with these, with all they're interested in is whether I can write them a check or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and that it's just not for me. So these events give give us an opportunity to, you know, not just have a really great conversations, to really get to know people, sort of maybe more than an inch deep, like you said, um, but also bring uh, bring people together who um, wouldn't otherwise have spent. You know, a few hours together, probably ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, could you could you take us into the how that how how that actually worked when you first start, sort of started it? Well
1: uh, First of all, you're spot on. The, the the when you think about a dinner like six to eight is perfect. That's the same. That's the perfect amount of people that can all participate in one conversation. If you have ten people, you you, you dissect the room into two. So what you guys do—it's that's exactly it. Bringing people—that's what we all yearn for in life right now. In in an age with social media, where everything is this public thing, sometimes it's just slow down, turn the phone off, sit at a table, and have conversation with people you might not know, and find the commonalities um, of everyday life, and talk about—we're all, you know, say we're all successful people. You always talk about the success, but what's the crap that happened in the last year that you're really, it's like breaking you apart Yeah, and that you need help. And, and that's the, that's the good stuff. That's the good stuff that comes out at those dinners. And that's what humanizes people and probably why you do podcasts. Cause you want to, you want to get the stories and, you know, rub down the people and understand what makes them human, et cetera. And that, that can only be achieved through conversation. Um, and to your point of, like those networkings event, networking events that we do, like 400 people in a room, 10% of the people thrive in that environment. The rest of the people like yourself are like counting down the minutes to say like, okay, yeah. I'm going to talk to that person. It's and then, really
2: uncomfortable. It's super, it I
1: is, just, it is. And you have to, I have to be on. It's uncomfortable for me too, but I have to like, you have to click a switch. Like I'm working now. I'm going to go find you in the corner and say, hey man, nice to meet you. Are you new here? Oh, you should meet so-and-so and so-and-so. Um, but most people networking events suck and like let's just let's just be real like most networking events like if it's if something is called a networking event zero chance i'm going anymore Mm -hmm. like zero chance because it it's it's painting a picture to me that like i don't i don't want to network i want to like show me a cool experience show me something you want a
2: relation work yeah
1: yeah relation work i want a relation work so um so the dinners that's uh that's it's just the most powerful tool we have and the exchange of ideas, the exchange of wisdom. Um, I read a book, it's called the Medici effect, where it's basically talking about how ideas spread. Um, and the thought is like, um, when you think about Galileo and a lot of the very famous mathematicians, a lot of them like grew up in the same city, same generation. And they learned from one another because they would all gather in these city squares and have conversations and learn. And that stuff can only happen if people are in the same area uh, and showing up again and again and yeah. again and challenging each other's ideas. And um, we've curated this group, and I don't share names because everything's uh, yeah, yeah, confidential. But a hundred different different people from a hundred different companies. There we have a fifty percent diversity requirement. So there's got to it can't be if we're going to build the next generation of leaders, it can't look like today's. Leaders, it can't be a bunch of white men. Uh, the stats have have shown that diversity is the foundational building block to a great society. You need to take in ideas from other people with different backgrounds. That is how you get to a, a great community. So we have to make sure we're good at that, and that's not hard, man. I mean, or that is hard. I should say, like when you look at leaders, it's really easy to say, okay, we've got all these. Corporations and who's going to take over that corporation? The firstborn son, mm-hmm. right? So it's a bunch of people that look like you and I that are taking. But there's some brilliant people in the community that are hidden, that are absolutely hidden. When you look at minority females in Milwaukee, um, there you could probably like, there's ten of them that we all know because they're always in the Business Journal. They're on twenty five different boards. But who else beyond that? And how do you find out about them? And And what we've discovered is, man, there's a lot of really good talent that you and I just don't know about. And part of that's corporate America's fault because when you are a talented African-American female, a corporation doesn't want to elevate you because you then become... A, a target for the next company that wants Believe, to hire you away. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I mean, you're going to get, you're going to get job offers. Cause like, Oh, people have diversity requirements to hit. And they're like, Oh wow. Look at this lady on the 40 under 40. We want to, she would look great in our company. I want, I want our logo on her, on her shoulder. So um, we want to make sure the the conversations are diverse um, both, you know, right and left uh, on the political spe- spectrum, or, as well as like you know what you look like, and how you think, and how you were raised.
2: So what these these uh, obviously don't happen at someone's. I'm thinking they don't happen at someone's home. They do. They do. I think mean, okay. that's the beauty of it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's. You said you you've got a hundred, but it's still ten at a time that are at the event. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's yeah. in, so someone determines or the host determines or how does that. Who determines who's going to be invited to a particular?
1: Yeah, so we curate that, um, okay. and basically we find uh, everybody picks uh, one month they host, and we do dinners there. We'll cater it and we'll take care of everything because man, cooking sucks. I'll, I'll say that. Like part of the problem with why people don't host dinners, and um, it's the prep and the time, etc. And we also find out like I've done this as well. We just bought a house. Oh, that's a beautiful dining room table. That's a beautiful patio. I can't wait to host. And then, and then life gets in the way and pretty soon all of a sudden it's packer season and summer's over and you're like, we didn't have anybody over mm-hmm. on our patio this year. So we found out people are kind of like, get excited about it. It's like, oh, we get to, we just remodeled the kitchen. I can't wait to show it off. So we get to, you know, do that. And it gets people in the, in the spirit of like having people over. um So also it, you get to know someone when you're dining in their home. Like I love carnivore, for example, right? Best steak ever. But can i are we going to have as in depth of a conversation if we're sitting at the table in carnivore um with people all around probably not my guess is no but if you're at someone's home and you're like the dog runs by and then the kids in the other room like you get to understand who that person is is a human and that's that i think is is beautiful and let me touch on something else where i think you asked the name of the hone group we named yeah. it after the hone bridge okay. which is
2: i thought that but i didn't want to assume it
1: Yeah, and and it's very much bridging the generations um, and and building a bridge between people. Multiple metaphors on there, if you will. So it's really the perfect name. And with the the name Hone, what we've also realized in—think about executives today. Um, They're very, very busy people, and then they retire, and a lot of them leave Wisconsin. And with that uh, departure from Wisconsin is all the wisdom— so if I can identify one big issue, there's two issues every community has. One is talent. Two is brain drain. And I'm not saying brain drain like young people leaving. I'm saying brain drain as in our community's elders leaving without departing their wisdom onto the next generation because of the internet, because of Facebook and Instagram. We're trying to make all these beautiful little posts, but I want an opportunity to sit across from a table from a Rich muson who grew Badger Meter insanely profitable and to a great company and started the Water Hub, but I want to know the dirty, like tell me about failure. Tell me about that time you tried to do that thing that didn't work out, but you know, we didn't hear about it because you might go to the, the, the big luncheon and he's going to answer a bunch of questions, but he's going to answer those questions generally on behalf of his shareholders. Um, for the company, but all right, let's get on a personal level. like tell me about that nonprofit that that, that blew up because you couldn't find funding or that that line you tried to launch that didn't work because of XYZ. That's the good stuff yeah that I want to know. And can we create that environment where that wisdom can be transferred along from today's leaders to tomorrow's? And we've also discovered like they really want to tell that story. They're actually interested in in mentoring us, but we haven't given them the good platform or frankly asked. Uh, well enough and there's a big problem with our generation i do a lot of work in the millennials um, which i haven't even touched on yet but the big problem is they just we look there we're looked at as narcissistic and um, we want to results too fast and we're not willing to like take the time to build up the relationships to to get to where we want to be in life and i think the current generation of leaders kind of looks at us kind of side-eyed saying I'm not willing to put in the time if they're not. So we need to slow down, take the time, and give them a platform to share their years and years of life's work with us, the good and the bad, because at the end of the day, they're passing the torch of community leadership. And can I do my part to elevate my peers through the wisdom that these guys can pass along?
2: When you started – Answering the question, you mentioned that you'd spent some time in Denver and Seattle before you came uh, back, well, not back to Milwaukee, to Milwaukee, Mm -hmm. because you weren't, you're from Wisconsin, but not Milwaukee. Can you, what was the difference in your experiences there in terms of being able to connect with people or the community that was different than here?
1: Let me go Seattle first. We were there for a couple of months, and I can't say I was ever invited to a dinner party okay right it was a it was a uh, that was oh six time of great transition of seattle but there there were um they're a little bit colder it's a it's a it's gonna take you a long time to build a relationship there and and we're always trying to sell Milwaukee and if there's one thing we've got here it's the people. We've got really good down to earth people where when you when you when you can plug in, get your claws in the community, we love each other. We really help each other out. And that's what I love about Milwaukee. I didn't get that sense in Seattle. Now, Denver at that time when I was there, there's a lot of Wisconsinites there. It's a it's a it was a hot place where a lot of people wanted to move so you could really find your like go to the Packer bar on Sunday. You want to find community? Go to the Packer Bar on Sunday because it's a bunch of old Wisconsin people that show up there, um, and and looking for new experiences. So. Uh, I'd say Denver was a great city because everyone had just moved there and they were looking to find friends themselves. It kind of reminded me of my first day in the dorms. Right, you're walking around sizing people up and you're like, "We're, we're friends now, yeah, cool, cool, we're friends now." So that those were easy relationships. Seattle was a lot harder. Um, I think there's a culture in the city. I think they're wary of people. It's a lot, a little bit more hard knocks over there. It was, it was, it was, it was a, a harder relationships. Denver was great, but. Denver, those a lot of those relationships left as well. So a lot of Denver is very much a transitional city. People mm. would come there, stay for a year or two, and then and then leave. So it's a harder spot to develop lifelong relationships. Imagine your best friend and his wife just up and leaving, like, oh, what do you do now? Uh, in Milwaukee, people stick around, and for better or for worse, uh, right? We stick around, which, and in, in when you have a a city like Milwaukee where it's a, people grew up here and stayed, that means ideas take longer to happen because maybe people haven't been to Denver to see a working streetcar, right? They've never, um, you know, been to somewhere to see a, a, a night market, yeah, right? Shanghai, so, right? Yeah, Shanghai, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So ideas might take longer to spread, but um, you're going to find a committed group of humans here who love the city and, you know, against all odds want to see it s- succeed.
2: Hmm. And when... When you were growing up in Elkhart Lake, did you have any uh, sort of awareness of the city of Milwaukee? Did you have a desire to move to the city of Milwaukee? Or were you pretty much, I mean, you you said there wasn't much to to do, which is why your home became, you know, the hangout Mm place is the way I I read it. And same at at Oshkosh, you know, you kind of, you, you curated things that weren't available to make it seem like it was more of a hip. Mm-hmm. Place than it probably was.
1: So, um, could you repeat rephrase that question if you wouldn't mind? I want yeah, to make sure I hit it. I
2: just want to make. I, I was just wondering if Milwaukee was on your radar when you were a kid. Um, so,
1: I'm going to answer that in two different ways. So. One, Milwaukee at that time was the big, scary, big city. yeah, like it was where the bucks played. We'd go to Admiral games because my grandma had like season tickets to the Admiral, so we'd go there five times a year. We'd go to make Major Goolsby's, and I thought it was awesome, yeah, sure, right. Um, and that was that was the stand, and I'd probably say that's most people's standard Milwaukee experience. We either got in a car, went to Summerfest, parked in a big parking structure, went to Summerfest, or parked in an arena ate food in an arena a block away from the arena and went to do said thing at arena, whether it's a concert, basketball game, whatever. And then leave. Yeah, and then leave. That was my yeah. Milwaukee to me. And I think that's most of the state of Wisconsin's relationship with Milwaukee. Hey, you went to Milwaukee. No, you didn't. You drove to a Brewer game, parked, tailgated, watched a game and left. You didn't go to the lakefront. You didn't go to Brady Street, etc So I think that was my relationship it was like a big beautiful but scary city at the time and i'd watch the news in milwaukee just seemed scary because like every time i turn on the news there's people dying and getting shot because if it bleeds it leads yeah, right sure. and that's the the news cycle and i'll compare that to now so like that question in today's eyes i see that as um i think we're getting better but it's still a lot of people's perception of Milwaukee—it's where you go to concert or a summer fest or a brewer game, Bucks game, and then you leave. But they've never seen Brady Street. They've never like gone to a downtown restaurant. They've never parked on the city streets. Um, so a lot of people's relationship with Milwaukee is parking structure, big event, and out. Um, I think with the streetcar and a couple of other amenities, people are like actually rolling up their sleeves and getting a taste for the downtown culture. And for anybody who hasn't like been downtown in a while. Milwaukee is a completely different city today than it was 10 years ago. Completely. Like our street art scene, that's something that's popped up in the last year. Yeah. Street art is absolutely everywhere. Go down to the Deer District. There's it's walkability. There's it's a beautiful open plaza with stuff to do. It's family friendly. Brady Street is like our beautiful little slice of like Bohemia, right? Bradford Beach, we've got a beautiful beach in downtown Milwaukee. And a lot of times tourists come and they're like, whoa. I never knew that. I I thought Milwaukee—I didn't even know Milwaukee was on a lake. So we've got kind of a brand problem, perception (laughs) problem, and I think we're slowly, slowly fighting that.
2: Just yesterday, I was crossing the street, and I noticed—I took a picture of it, actually, because the control box that was controlling the street lights— was painted. was painted, and it was beautifully painted. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I got to take—because I'm on a bid, a business improvement district on Villard Avenue, and we've got—we're like just starting— We have a long way to go, but I saw that and I was like, that's a little thing that makes a big,
1: huge difference, huge difference. So when I do a lot of work in, uh, on millennials, like people are, everyone's trying to figure out the largest generation in history is right now in their 20 through 35 in history. And people are trying to figure out how do you get these people to be attracted to my company or community? And everyone's trying to build the new arena and the new amphitheater and yeah, yeah, cool. But what people really want is like beauty, everyday beauty. Um, What people don't think about is like how long, how far a public mural goes, um, how far painting that little box goes, how far a bike lane goes. Cause that's like what our generation can see is like, Oh, I could see living there. I could see jumping on that bike trail and, going to work every day or look at that cool mural that defines my neighborhood um and these are like the little things that make a big difference that our leadership neglects we Mm. all forget we're like oh we need better paved roads because people what they really want is they want to be able to get to work faster i guarantee you amount of time spent in your car and what you do in that car has like zero factor like no one wants rush hour no one wants rush hour but the people want like to be able to roll up their sleeves and be part of a community and little things like painting boxes goes a long way.
2: Yeah. So you got me thinking now you, you, you come back to Milwaukee and you get, you know, your connection, uh, gene takes over and you just start plugging yourself in. And, and I guess what, what I was wondering was why not, why didn't you do that in Seattle or Denver or somewhere else? What, 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 What was going on in your head that said, I'm going to go back to Milwaukee and not only am I going to do that, but I'm going to, I'm going to change it or do my best to, to, to change it or make it something that's right for me and the people like me.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I I guess I'll answer that with like, wherever I am is home. So I might not always be in Milwaukee, but while I'm here, I'm going to try and make it better and I'm going to surround myself with people I want to spend time with and want to help me make it better. Um, try to do the same in Oshkosh, um, but now that I'm, now that like you're here and you're plugged in and you're like, oh, what's beautiful about Milwaukee is it's an unfinished city. You look anywhere and there's open parkland. There's, you know, a building that can get redeveloped. There's a West Wisconsin Avenue uh, that has, you know, so much potential, but it needs someone to look at it a little bit different way. I don't think i could go to chicago and have the same impact i've had here in milwaukee in milwaukee we've been given a lot of access i'm very much an entrepreneur at heart i'm not gonna like just join a committee and kind of hang out i am i want to change i want to like i'm very much against the status quo i want to roll up my sleeves and just mess something up just for the sake of it um I'm a starter. I'm not necessarily a finisher, right, it, which is what I'm learning about myself. Um, I get excited about starting and creating and building. I'm not interested in, like, continuing, like, perfecting the craft. Um, and I've learned that You're about a
2: visionary, myself. not a not what, I call, what EOS or Traction would call an integrator. So you're a, I don't know, I call it quick start. Yeah, quick, quick start. Quick start. I get you, very bored very easily. Quick start, yeah. So yeah. you need people behind you that can
1: yeah that
2: can and make sense of
1: totally the, I, yeah, I've got yeah. buddies that are just so they they love like process right finding how to streamline things I'm like I don't care that was a cool event it was it perfect no but it was pretty darn close and I'm good with that so what can we do next what park can we go take over next what what warehouse can we drop into and give people a holy cow experience that's what I'm into um we did something at uh um bradford beach this summer we, we launched it we called it just the secret event we didn't tell anybody where it was we just had a meet at a location we ubered everybody over there and uh we took him to bradford beach and we had a long dinner for 100 people and bonfires at bradford beach and all night people were just taking photos and like laughing and there was a musician there because people had never experienced bradford beach at night before i well, mm-hmm. think like when you're at a beach at night well if you go to miami the beach life doesn't start till 8 p.m. because it's too hot to really be on the beach. So yeah, sure. they've got a nightlife scene there. They've got cabanas set up and everything is beautiful. And we like, no one's ever done it in Milwaukee, so we don't do it. No one's applied for a permit for a bonfire on Bradford Beach. It's like, okay, just do it. And that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited. And you, can you show someone different, someone a different side of Milwaukee that gets them excited here? And now you're like, you know, why, why do you – you can do this in milwaukee for not now like i love showing people milwaukee it's kind of a passion thing i do and i kind of do it for free most of the time if i see someone who's hey i just moved here two weeks ago like, oh shit i want to introduce you to this guy this guy we're gonna to go to dinner here i take pride in that because man if no one wraps these people up and shows them milwaukee they're going to go to a bucks game and the art museum and have dinner at you know, Mason Street Grill because that's what it, it says to do in the in tourism the, yeah, book. Yeah, right, right. Those are all great things, but let me show you what the locals do. Let me show you like how, how I live day to day. Of course, I'm going to go to the art museum four times a year when there's a new exhibit. That's beautiful and I'm so glad we have that. But I want to show you like the like Ness and Dorma in River West, which will never show up on a, a Google search. I want to show you the best Chilequiles brunch that there is that you'd never know about. I'm going to take you to the cafe at the plaza to eat at the open air section which you'd never know about because they don't have to advertise because all the locals already know it's there Hmm. that's the kind of stuff that gets me excited
2: so let's let's pop out in milwaukee for yeah for a minute um you're you're uh you're an expert on millennials you are one of few and maybe only one of my podcast guests who has had a tedx talk and i believe that was in North Dakota, Fargo,
1: Fargo, yeah.
2: So, l- talk about your work outside of here.
1: Yeah, so actually, everything I've been talking about doesn't even pay the bills. So it's like, it's my passion. My passion is Milwaukee making cool stuff happen. Um, here's what I get to do for uh, to pay rent, etc. So, um, I started the the Milwaukee piece, and I've got all this data, and I understand what makes people tick, and. Um, I started doing a bunch of research and finding out, hey, what what makes our generation react and do uh, what they want to do? So for a day job, um, communities and corporations hire me, and I get to come in and consult and tell them, here are the trends, here's what our generation is spending money on, here's what's going to attract them to your either community uh, or your company, and here's what's going to keep them there, and. What I really like to focus on, what's gonna keep them there? So when you think about your average company, they have a an attraction budget, which is how do we get people to work here? What companies don't have is a retention budget. If you ask anybody in HR, any company, hey, how much do you spend on uh, to retain employees every year? Well, we don't even have a bucket for that. What do you mean you don't have a bucket for that? You spend all this money to get them here, but after you get them here and you've trained them, you invested all this time and money and resources in them, you don't make sure they're happy after year three, so the, the analogy I like to use is, think about Sprint or Time Warner Cable, which is now whatever the hell their new name is. at and Yeah, yeah. Spectrum. There's a Spectrum yeah, out there spectrum, too. Right. Yeah, Spectrum is what they go So for, yeah. if you have a problem sure. with your bill, you call them up and you complain And they're going to play phone tag with you for a while, but eventually within 30 minutes, they're going to get you a manager and they're going to say, you know what, sir, you're right. I am going to take this off your bill and I'm going to throw in a free months of showtime, whatever it might be. And they're going to make sure they keep you as a customer. And here's why. It is eight times cheaper to keep someone that is an existing customer than to go out and find a new customer eight times cheaper to keep someone who's already happy with your service, not even happy. Do you know how hard it is to change a bank? Like, you know how hard it is to change a cell phone to a new carrier? It it takes a lot of effort, and they're not willing to spend a little bit of time at work to keep your current employees happy. And I'm not saying give them $10,000 a year, but what are you into? Is me giving you a, a, a free membership to the art museum or send you to the company Bucks Ticket Suite a couple of times a year so you can take your buddies. Is that going to like, when when the next offer comes, what's going to be differentiating? Everyone has healthcare benefits, dental 401, all that's the same shit. None of that matters. Everyone has to do with that standard practice. What is the thing you can invest in today that's going to make your employees brag about you? And that's what I try and work with my clients on because no one thinks about that way. Um, and it can be little things. So some of my clients... Uh, one cool thing. We have a building, downtown building. It's a client. And they said, well, how do we separate ourselves from all the other buildings? At the end of the day, we're selling square footage. And we found out they are having a problem with, um, they ran out of conference room spaces. And oftentimes they have people trying to book conference rooms and they can't. So we said, why don't, you're on the river. Why don't you buy yourself a pontoon boat, call it conference room number three. Any tenant can book it. Any tenant can now use it. And now they've got, a conference room number three pontoon boat with their logo on it. And every day, someone's on the river, not only on the river, but they're taking photos mm. of themselves in the river and they're just branding the building, branding themselves, branding the companies that are in that building. What did that cost them? $30,000. They're going to have the boat for 10 years and 10 people a day use that and brag about it. What makes you brag about your company? One client of mine um, buys their employees' NFL Sunday ticket because it's a blue collar workforce. Some of them have like this NASCAR un, like unlimited, but that's something they like invite all their buddies to at home and watch NFL Sunday ticket on their couch. And they're like, hey, man, how'd you afford this? And like, my company paid for it. Rexnord or whatever it is pays for this. And you have now just not only retained that one employee, but you've turned that employee into a, a recruiting tool because they're telling their friends who probably work in the same fields as they do, how badass your company is. You've just made your employees brag about you and it cost you 110 bucks a year for NFL Sunday ticket. Like what's that thing they can take home and say, I work for you because of this. Sure,
2: so what's, so people bring you in, companies bring you in, what's the number one or number one or number two things that they're saying to you? Cause I, I'm just imagining, right? They're saying to themselves, oh crap, we got a problem. We have to. We, we're having trouble recruiting or keeping um, millennials. Um, we don't know what to do, but it's not our fault. I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm just curious. What do most? So why do they? How do they get you? Like what? What is it that prompts them to 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 get you? And then what are the first things that they say to you when you come in?
1: Yeah. So. Uh- I do a lot of speaking engagements, like keynotes, et cetera, and they'll generally come in. I I get a lot of word of mouth. Uh, I actually have a terrible website. For a guy with a marketing background, I have a terrible website. Um, Cobbler's son has no shoes or something around that analogy. Um, So I get a lot of uh, word of mouth clients, and they all basically just look at me and they say, I don't get these kids, right? They're here. We train them. They're here for a year and a half, maybe two years, and then they leave. Why are they so unloyal? I pay well. um, I take care of all their all their, you know, ancillary benefits, healthcare, et cetera, et cetera, um, and they leave, what's wrong with them? That's yeah. when they bring, okay, cool. So if they're all leaving, what's wrong with you? What is wrong with you? And most people who work for a company don't have the balls to look their CEO in the eye and say, what's wrong with you? How come the company culture here is so toxic that we've got 45% turnover in the last year? What's going on? So we find out um, Here's how it works in corporations. A bunch of old white guys get in a room and say, hey, we've got a talent problem. Um, let's form a committee, right, committee, uh, and let's get to the bottom of this. And they come out, they do a, an employee survey, and people are too scared to actually um, fill out the responses honestly. And they, you know, say, okay, we're going to take everybody to a brewer game once a year. That'll help the old company morale. Okay. It didn't do anything. Um, they just ended up spending money. So we sit down with them and we'll, at, we'll come in. I'll survey the employees and I'll say, hey, your buddy Joe just left and my stats show he's your friend in the company. When he leaves, you're probably 80% more likely to leave in the next year because your friends left as well. So we come in, we look and we just find out like generally it comes down to young people. Yeah, it's work, it's pay, et cetera, but they want to feel a part of something bigger. I want to be a part of something. Yes, we manufacture brake pads, but where do we spend our profits? Like if we've got all this extra, like we're a company, we're making money. How are we investing back into the local community with those profits? And what do we stand for as a company? Yeah, we make brake pads so people are safe on the roads, but then this is what we do in Milwaukee. We, we serve these things. And can I get involved with those things? And when you as a company do great work with profits and then you look back at your employees and we say, and we invest in the Salvation Army. Oh, great. We're fighting homelessness. Cool. Can I volunteer for the Salvation Army? Your answer has to be yes. And actually, I will pay you to volunteer for the Salvation Army. Yeah. So three days a year, we as a company are going to go volunteer for the Salvation Army. We stand for break pads and uh, we are also going to help end homelessness by fill in the blank. That gets someone to think and buy into the bigger vision. And also, here's what we find out. No one listens. People don't listen. So you get these young people in a room, and they want to feel like their ideas matter. Um, And and oftentimes, we only take the ideas of the executive team. So it's
2: like all the ideas. Go ahead and share your ideas, right? And then at the end of the meeting, it's like, here's what we're going to do.
1: Yeah, you're absolutely right. (laughs) Here's a suggestion box that no one reads. But you're going to feel good that you were able to put your suggestion box in there. Yeah, yeah. And those, I think, are the, the two base things, right? People want to feel big, a part of something larger than themselves, and they want to be heard. Uh, and if you can do those two things, you're, you're going to be good to go. And all things else equal, um, pays all equal, everything else, like you, you're going to keep more employees and turn your employee, like get a retention budget. Make sure you're paying, you're, you're thinking about your employees throughout the year. It Gone are the days of, hey, here's your 10, you've been with us for 10 years, here's a pin. 15 years, here's your pen. At 25 years, you get the Kohler jacket with the Kohler. No one cares anymore. No one wants any of that stuff. You have to, you have to, people are making up their minds immediately of, ooh, new job opportunity, et cetera, et cetera. You have to constantly be reminding young people that you care about them um, and you you want to keep them as a happy employee. And also think about this. People, no matter what, some people are just going to leave, but make sure they leave on a good note so that when they leave and they, someone's like, hey, how was that place to work for? They still have a positive thing to say about you. And guess what? They're gonna leave that next company as well and make sure that two years later they're gonna consider you again. That's all part of retention strategies.
2: So when you get pulled in for an engagement or brought in for an engagement, how, you, you must have a sixth sense about these things by now, how long does it take you from the time you sort of show up before you know what the vibe of that company is?
1: Oh, I mean, you know instantly. I'm going to check out their website. I'm going to look at their social media. Um, I'm going to interview a person or two before they go in who's an employee and get an understanding because the executive team is generally so disconnected with your average workers that that's generally the problem. So, but it takes, you know, who look around the room, who's in the room, how many men, how many women, are they all white? Um, Is it actually the executive team or am I just there to check a box? We went through millennial training. Check that oh, box, sure. you know. So, I and mean, that's corporate America, and there's it's kind of the way it works. So, you got to. Un- I can understand that. And if if I'm in there and it's like a box check, I'll give them ten percent of my actual mental capacity. But if someone's like. Ian, we honestly have a problem. We need your help. Can you can you help us dissect this? I'm like, I'm, I'm in all day. I'll roll up the sleeves. I'll put in extra work and I'll make sure like, because I, I if I'm going to work, I want to see change. I love seeing change. Um, and the people that are, the communities that, look at Green Bay, Wisconsin right now. Look at a community that's getting it together. I'd say Milwaukee, we're struggling here in Milwaukee. We don't have a talent plan. We're the largest city in the state of Wisconsin and we don't have our shit together. We don't. We've got business leaders fighting with each other. We don't have a cohesive talent strategy. Everyone's launching like side projects to try and carve out their niche. And we're not together. County,
2: we, city division. Oh, my God. It's terrible.
1: It's yeah. terrible. And you look at Green Bay. That is a business community. It's like, oh, man, we're drying up. Look at everybody's going moving to these big cities. We better get our act together and start getting organized and get on one mission because our kids are going to start leaving unless we offer them something great. Title Town, they've now attracted Microsoft. No one from Microsoft is in Milwaukee. We've got 10 times the population of Green Bay. Why are they there? Because it's a good community to get, to get stuff done and work in. And they can go to one meeting, and the leaders will leave that meeting and say, okay, here's our tech initiative moving forward. We're in. Um, Milwaukee needs to get it together. Um, you, Madison. Killing it with the tech scene, impressive stuff coming out of there. So you can see the cities that that have it together, that are really working towards it. And I want to help shape Milwaukee and get us there. But we've got a leadership problem right now. We've just got people not not communicating, taking their ball, going to their corner. And uh, it's cool to see a community like Green Bay, which only has a football team, right? And and they're they're organizing, and the national companies are paying attention to it and investing in them.
2: What has to happen to to break that division to in your in your mind um, how do you get the right people I and mean, what has to happen i don't want to plant the seed for anything yeah, to well,
1: not to throw it like we just need to we need a plan we need to listen we need we, we've we've continuously put the same leaders around the same tables for 20 years with the same results that we cannot do anymore we've we've proven that doesn't work we need to have a cohesive talent strategy where people get together um and say this is where we're going good good and let's let's execute um right now i mean it's hard to get the mayor the county executives and the heads of various organizations in the same room i don't know if you just saw but we just tried to propose a one percent sales tax that to me at least says leadership whether you like the tax or not at the end of the day we have some fiscal problems in this community we've got to fix it. That is getting the leaders of various organizations together and at least jumping on one plan. And that's something that I'd say is a step in the, the, the right direction. Um, what we need to do is a, we need a talent strategy. We need—it's not free. It's not cheap. Nothing good ever is. We have to be willing to spend and invest money in talent. And people are looking at the mayor and saying, fix it. Why aren't we growing in population? Milwaukee is not—we are stagnant. We are population stagnant. And if you take away the you'd growth—
2: think it wasn't that way when you see all the construction the cranes, yeah. and stuff. You'd say, oh, my gosh, we must be we must be importing—
1: Talent everywhere. Yeah, right, right, right. There's displacement, but there's not population gain. You take away the growth of the Latino and Hispanic communities in Milwaukee, and we are looking like we're the next Gary, Indiana, right? Population well, that's just. The United as,
2: States as a whole, probably, yeah. too.
1: Well, so we're, the work we're doing, the rural areas are, are depleting, yeah. right? Your farming communities used to be 15,000, and there was one manufacturing company in there that supplied the entire town with jobs and retirement. That one company didn't respond to a shift in the market and that entire town dries up. Therefore, all their kids are now moving to other cities where there's opportunities. So we're in a talent grab right now. Uh, Right now, the stat is 50% of America lives in cities or in the metro area of cities. By 2050, in only roughly 30 years, they're thinking that number is going to be between 75 and 80%. 75 and 80%. So you're looking at a 25% jump of people moving into metro areas. Um, That's for a variety of reasons, but a lot is the agriculture businesses are drying up and the small towns um, can't be supported anymore. So with this land grab of humans that we're currently experiencing, what are we doing to grab them? And our answer is we've just built a new Bucks Arena. Yeah, and if you'd ask most leaders in Milwaukee today, they'd probably say we've got the world's largest music festival in Summerfest, and we've we've got a new arena. I love the Bucks Arena, but when you look at Summerfest, let's get real. Who outside of the state of Wisconsin knows about Summerfest? Chicago is like, what's that? We've got Coachella. I've never heard of Summerfest before.
2: Yeah, I get that all the time from yep. people that aren't aren't here. Oh yeah, it's the biggest one in the world. I'm like never. Why have I never heard never, of it?
1: Yeah, never. Oh heard of it. okay, because we're blowing smoke up of our own asses. That's why. And we've got all these corporations funding. Well, it's two weeks long.
2: Yeah, but, uh, It's a state just, fair of yeah. music
1: festivals. God, I love Summerfest. Yeah. As a local sure, guy, yeah, yeah. I, I like to go and support it. But, man, we need to shake that thing up. We need, uh, there's more opportunity over in that little section of Milwaukee than anything because it's 10 days long, and then kind of it goes away. And then what? Nope, once a year. So this talent thing, who's responsible for
2: that? Does That's you,
1: the issue. Yeah. Other communities have created a talent arm. Which is we need one person from every corporation getting together and saying, "Here's our problem. Oh, we've all got interns coming in. Well, let's share them. Let's share them. We need to sell people on Milwaukee, not just on Briggs and Stratton or Northwestern Mutual. We need to sell them here, and other cities are creating that. Our we we can't get out of our own way. So people look at they say that's the mayor's problem. To well, no, the mayor's problem is to like make sure your streets are safe and the budgets." You know even what's oh, visit milwaukee well no they're they're responsible for heads and beds they're responsible for tourism what i've come to realize is no one is responsible for the actual brand of milwaukee and when you're selling your community to the world like we're about to do for dnc who's actually responsible for like what milwaukee is and the answer is nobody hmm. the answer is actually that
2: should not be the answer
1: oh clearly not clearly not because it's new who, who's the mayor of talent in our city and um i'm finding other communities states are are doing this um and we just haven't we haven't because we're there's so much infighting we're fighting we're fight we can't get the up until i mean when you think about it the the we couldn't get the mayor the county executive and the governor in the same room you know that that's that's our problem right. in milwaukee we've got these long lasting relationships and feuds. And I think they, they bleed into stuff. And in someone like I, I just moved, you know, I'm relatively new. I've only been here for 10 years. I'm looking around like, why do we do it that way? Well, it's the way it's always been. And you remember so and so ran over someone's cat 25 years ago. And that's why this neighborhood's crumbling. Hmm. Okay, cool. Makes sense. <laughs> Sounds good. And and that's actually real life, unfortunately. So we need and companies are, let's just say this, our companies don't get it. In Milwaukee, they're they're looking for leadership, and the answer is within. And we need to band together, and companies need to come together and say, "We need to get serious about talent." Now, I might have an employee that's going to go work for you um, in two years, and I invested a lot of that time and energy and reason, But it, it, at the end of the day, as long as that employee stays in Milwaukee and doesn't go elsewhere, that's a win.
0: Yeah. Much
1: like I was saying, the retention strategy for companies, we need a retention strategy for our community. What are we doing? And yeah. the answer is, I don't know if you ask most executives.
2: I feel like that always starts with a vision that then is supported and funded. You know, if, if no one has the vision, then everyone has their own vision. And yeah. when everyone has their own vision, you're probably not going to get very far. Mm-hmm.
1: Someone has to, right? I No, you're absolutely right. Now, who is it to have that, that vision? So one of the projects we're working on right now is we're trying to get the home bridge lit up. It's a big initiative we're trying to work yeah. on because... I've been to other, the skyline is everything Your with this little phone in your pocket changes life. Everyone's taking photos and changes your people touring your city into people that are now promoting your city. If you can give them cool experiences to take photos with that, that is all it. So, uh, uh we're on a giant push to light up the home bridge and make it into a giant led interactive light display and art display. Um, cause we know what skyline shots do to, um, the national and international perception. So um, that's one little thing we're trying to do. But I've been a part of a lot of committees that have been talking about talent and they all kind of seem to fizzle because everyone's like, yeah, that's cool, but I got my own thing over here. Yeah. And none of them are well-funded enough. It's like you've got one gallon of water and we've got 20 plants to feed. And if you can all feed them just like one twentieth of a gallon, they'll, they'll like be alive, but they're not going to flourish. They won't flower. And that's what we're doing in Milwaukee. We're just kind of... Hmm dabbling dabbling i never
2: thought about that um sort of sharing intern idea but um since you've said it i'm thinking about that and that that has wheels in my mind not just for the reason you mentioned but also if i'm not if 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 we're sharing and i'm losing Mm -hmm. i need to look at what we're doing Mm -hmm. right because i'm gonna i have to learn from these others who are who are attracting the people i can't keep them so there's something I must be doing, we must be doing, um, that's pushing them away. What is it and mm-hmm. how do we correct it? Whereas yeah, if I just had interns and they left, I blame it on the intern. Sure, absolutely, right? it's easier. Yeah, right, right, right. So what? Um, what's unique about you?
1: Ask my wife, she'll probably have a lot for you. Um, it's a deep question, I could go in a variety of different ways. Uh, I am, I guess, unapologetically in love with our city, uh, and and the people in it. And I am driven every day by helping others see the same thing I do in Milwaukee and the people I spend time with in it. Um, I I've had a lot of opportunities for just money, more money at, at, at things, and just I wouldn't say I'm not driven by money, but again, it's a top five. It's not a top right. One. You mentioned that, so I think that is. Um, then gives me a different lens to look through the world and look through the community on um, that I think is unique maybe to me. Uh, I'm also an entrepreneur um, and will always be an entrepreneur. I guess, you know, you get bit by that bug yourself as well. You yeah. go, go work for someone else. Good luck. You can't. So you always have to create. You always have to be creating the new thing. And the thing you created yesterday is irrelevant tomorrow. So if you're not working, you're not eating. And um, I think then if, if I make my living uh, by teaching others to make their community great. great and i'm every day making trying to make my community great i think that's a pretty unique unique thing and i'm very you know probably generous with my time because i want to much like you get to know other people find out what makes them tick and see if they will somehow weave themselves into this thread of community we're building here and i think that's a, the major motivator for me
2: okay so Light the Home Bridge is uh, something I'd encourage everybody listening to support. I supported it. I first heard about it from Dan Steininger,
1: actually. Oh, yeah. His
2: grandfather, uh, the bridge is named after his yeah, grandfather. Daniel Hone, uh, yeah, last Daniel socialist Holm. mayor. Right, right, right. Um, but I hadn't heard of it before. I have seen a lot about it since mm-hmm. that time. And it's kind of like, you know, I guess it's one of those, like, you buy the car and then you see the car all the time. Like, yeah. it just wasn't just wasn't resonating with me. But I'm glad this is how... how far along is that to the goal?
1: Yeah. So our total goal is 4.5 million. We've just raised about 1 million. Um, you can buy a light, uh, at home and dedicate it to somebody. It's 25 bucks. Go to light dot and you can just buy a light and participate. So it, we completely did it the opposite of most fundraisers in, in the community where, um, you know, unless you have a good chunk of change, you probably aren't able to Um, Participate, but here it's you know you get a permanent light on the bridge, and you go to lightthelong.com, and you can see your light and your dedication and your photo to your 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 favorite people, and uh, that's that's the cause, and I'm really passionate about it because I see a different Milwaukee than others maybe do, and there's a lot of there's a Milwaukee is electric, there's a lot of energy down there, but there's a lot of people that still have the if it you know. Milwaukee's where crime happens only. That's just so the lens they have. There's a lot of that. I want to help paint a new picture of our community uh, and let you know there's a lot of great people here. And just roll up your sleeves, get plugged in. You'll be as amazed as I am every day by the amount of people doing amazing stuff who love Milwaukee that want to help you as well. Because at the end of the day, Milwaukee is its people. Yeah, the bridge is nice. The bucks are great. Summerfest is awesome. But at the end of the day, what separates us from the communities next door from Seattle and Denver is the people here care. They care about you and uh, they care about uh, the community. So there's a great support system.
2: Okay. So last question, uh, you were you were my first guest to enjoy, uh, some hello water. Hello water. My sponsor fiber. Uh, you interest. had the, you had the, uh, smile, which is the mixed berry. What mm-hmm. did you, what do you
1: think? Uh, it was delicious. It's just, just the right size. It's a little, little guy. Um, Get your fiber from fiber-infused mixed berry, no sugar, three grams of fiber. I don't even know, like, I don't know what fiber is is but as now i'm like 36 everything's like oh you're 36 now here's the vitamins you need And there's a bunch of fiber in it yeah yeah so like, so i don't know like, what that every, is but it's
2: sort of like everybody's dehydrated and everybody's fiber deficient is the way yeah I, is the way i understand it yeah
1: it sounds very much very much so i just i've been messing around on like some different diets as i get because like the same thing i used to eat when i was 20 now makes you a fat ass at the age yeah. of 36 so i've had to like <laughs> really been thinking about the diet so i just like experimented with some keto stuff so mm-hmm. like um now all of it's like basically I don't follow it anymore, but like take the top half of your sandwich off the bun, right? Cool. And now you go into the nutritionist space and like, okay, if you want to eat like that as it's good for my body, I feel better and like whatnot. it's, It's fiber seems to be one of the things that they're all like, you need more. It's like the trend right now. It yeah, is, it is a trend. So uh, I haven't seen it. They just don't want you bear. to
2: get it out of breakfast cereal anymore because you got all the sugar. Yeah, <laughs> that right. Comes Re- along with Remember, that, right. like growing up, they're just yeah. like,
1: eat this crap. I used, to, I grew up on like McDonald's and Cheerios. Sure. And if you look at that, you're, in maybe it's fine we as a kid. Did, but yeah, that, but when yeah. you look at that now, you're yeah. like, wow. Yeah. What we know about nutrition today. So uh, yeah, it's cool. It's very good. It's very good. So go get yourself some Hello Water. I got the mini fiber infused get yeah, after it.
2: Very good. Ian, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing, for sharing your it.
1: stories. Absolutely. Thanks.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of the How It Happen Podcast, where we believe that success doesn't happen unless you make it happen. You can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. And while you're there, please rate it and leave a comment as well. I'd love to hear your thoughts about the show, ideas for future guests, or whatever you'd like to share. And of course, you can always find me at MikeMalatesta.com. See you next time. Thanks again for listening to the how That It Happen podcast.